On today's Locked On Texan podcast, Miles Smith, son of head coach Levy Smith, speaks about the linebacker play, and I think that's very interesting. So we're not going to get into the YouTube comments. However, we will be joined by Brandon K. Scott. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Friday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And with the Locked On Texans, is where this good Friday starts off. I'm John Hickman, of course, joined by none other than Cody Davis. We will be joined by Brandon K. Scott later in the show. Cody, it's no secret that the linebacker position has been struggling, right? So much so that we've been waiting and anticipating the return of rookie Christian Harris. We had been waiting and anticipating what Garrett Waller would be able to do in his sophomore year. And then a lot of people, including myself, wanted to see more of Blake Cashman due mm-hmm. to the play and the inabilities by Christian Kirksey and Kamu Gougier-Hill, and Kevin Pierre-Lewis when he was out on the field. There's been a lot of issues, right? Coverage has been maybe the number one issue. Missed tackles, and there's been times where the linebackers between Kersey and Kamu, maybe more so Kersey, has seemed to be scared to maybe want to make a tackle. Everybody is anticipating getting Christian Harris back on the field, but one man is not going to change the bad play everybody on that line in that linebacker core in that position has to play better and last week or earlier this week i mentioned how we may have to look at miles smith as is he a good fit for this team Cody, we had opportunity to hear from miles smith on thursday let's hear what he had to say well i think all aspects of our defense we need to get better at it's not just the play action aspect or the run fits i should say I mean, defensively, I don't think there's any mystery. We're not playing good enough football. And it all starts with the linebackers. We have to play better um, play-action-wise. You know, we have to play the play-action better. It's as simple as that. It's not a scheme issue. It's about just playing the plays better the way that we know how to play them. Uh, I mean, he was coming along. He was starting to get the defense. But, uh, again, we've put in a decent amount of defense since he uh, was off the field, since his injury. Um, but he was picking up a defense. You know, he's a smart kid. I think uh, every coach that's been with him will tell you that. Um, and he's obviously athletic. So he was coming along pretty well before he got hurt. But, again, he's missed the last two months. So that's going to have a detrimental effect on him. want to bring it back. That was from Miles Smith talking about not only Christian Harris but the play of the linebacker group. Cody, I, I'm happy that he addressed his position, right? It's different, not necessarily different, but it, it is kind of different when your head coach calls you out or – uh, maybe, you know, just in general, you understand that you're not doing well. But to hear from your position coach, like Miles Smith, who I have questioned, I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. 100% sold on him. However, I do understand this. Kamu and Kirksey were both journeymen before landing with the Houston Texans. They were never perennial pro bowlers. They were not guys that typically you would just game plan for. Both good athletes, both good football players. They made it to the NFL. I understand that. But it's a reason why last year they were, you know, with the top 
free agent targets for the Houston Texans <laughs> in a year that was a down year for free agents for the Houston Texans. They were maybe the top uh, players brought in. And and they have played bad. They have struggled. I think Kamu has done a much better job than Kirksey. Uh, not by a lot, but he has played a little bit better. And between those two guys, you got to look at the missed tackles. The Houston Texans are one of the most uh, missed tackle teams in the NFL. And we've seen a lot of that at the second level between the linebacker guys. There's been times where I'm seeing a player come to this zone, this area, your assignment where you're supposed to be in, but you're nowhere to be found, whether that may be Kirksey, whether that may be Kamu. That has been an issue. And the play of the linebacker, specifically between those two guys, because they have taken majority of the snaps defensively for the Houston Texans so far, the play of those guys have cost Houston big downs. There's been multiple mm-hmm. times where a third is short is very possible, but now it may be a first down because you were not in your zone. Or we've seen teams been able to rip off big runs and make big plays because the person at the second level who's supposed to be in this area wasn't there. And so I'm happy that, uh, you know, coming from Al Smith, their position coach, he addressed that. He understands that they need to be better. And I like the fact that he called in so many ways, called him out. Hey, you know, it's not just about it's, it's, it's an entire defense, but we got to be better here at our level. I appreciate that. He could call him out all he want to. Same thing as Pep Hamilton. He did the same thing on yesterday uh, when he started talking about the inconsistencies that the offense have. However, John, listeners and viewers, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what they do to call the players out. At the end of the day, you you just have to take a look at the reality of the situation that majority of these guys who are getting majority of the snaps, i.e. the linebacker position, i.e. Christian Kersey and Kamo Gujay-Hill, they are just not as talented as other players around the league because at the end of the day, this is still a franchise that is still in the early stages of its rebuild, which means that they do not have the best talent to put out there on the field. And... The one bright spot, because Lovey Smith always want to talk about, well, what about the positives? The one bright spot I will say about this on both sides of the ball is the fact that when you take a look at the rookie class um, and maybe a little bit of the sophomore class, you know, when you take a look at a guy like Nico Collins, the, the bright spot comes that at some point we are going to expect a lot of these young guys to truly take the helm from the majority of these veterans that you have out there on the team. And John, I'm really not sure what is going on between Kamu Gruje Hill and Christian Kersey because look, they was they they like you mentioned, they were not Pro Bowl caliber players last year, but at the same time they were decent. And I just want to know and I'm going to find out, you know, what has been the primary cause of their struggles, of their regression for the 2022-2023 campaign? Because, John, it's really not making sense because I remember going into training camp, both of those guys talk about what the defense can do moving forward being the second year in Lovey Smith's defensive system. But here we are entering week five against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and both of those guys are not looking good at all. I look at a player like Kamu, who last year was his first year ever playing in his career, 80% of the Right, Kersey has had more experience in the league, in the league, but both of those players are on their third team. 
right? And, and, and I do want to apologize. Kersey was able to get a contract extension with the Cleveland Browns, came in 2014 with Cleveland, spent five, six seasons with Cleveland. So that's a good thing. However, it, for them, I, I don't know. I don't want to blame it on the scheme because the cover two scheme has been considered maybe the easiest in the NFL, maybe the easiest in football where guys are just can, you know, adapt to it. And that is one of those base defenses that you typically may learn early on when you start playing football in high school. Uh, not 100% sure. I can't put a finger on it. However, on film, on tape, what we are seeing is bad coverage. Like guys are just easily in your area, and it's not like you're, you're there and you're trying to make a play and a guy just beat you on a play like that happens. For, for both of those players, there's been times where you're not there in your zone. Uh, and missed tackles, right? That's been an issue. Jalen Petrie right now leads the team with eight tackles, eight missed tackles. But Houston is notoriously bad right now missing tackles. And that's coming from everybody. Uh, when you look at the linebacker guys, the, the one question that I have is when they do get healthy, how interchangeable will those players become? Will Miles, will Lovey, the defensive mind that he is, will they be able to, in certain situations, maybe I want to put Wallow and, and Harris out with, with Kamu right now. Maybe I want to switch it up. And I think that's what's been hurting them a little bit. They have not had a lot of depth at the linebacker position, if we're being fair about the situation. Not a lot of guys have been able to come in and relieve those two players. There hasn't been a lot of times where you may have wanted another player out there because of their athletic ability or they're able to drop back in coverage. You may want that player out there, but they're not available to play right now. And so you have to go with, with who's on your depth chart. I think that's been an issue. But overall, they just got to get better. And I don't think there's really faith in that group right now that they will get better. To answer your question, John, um, Miles Smith and Lovey Smith, I do believe that they will take an approach where they will be willing to interchange um, throughout that linebacker core, especially when you take into consideration what we were expecting out of Christian Harris, because I do remember doing OTAs, doing mandatory mini camps. There were moments where Christian Harris was out there running with the first team. And as you just alluded to, you know, it's because of the injury to Harris, the injury to Wallow, you know, hurting the depth. And you're looking at two linebackers who was going to be extremely – and Blake Cashman as well. He's going to be out Sunday with a head injury. You know, you're looking at two now when you take a, take into consideration Blake Cashman. You're looking at three linebackers who is going to be extremely valuable for the Houston Texans linebacking core. And it's just unfortunate that they got hit with the injury bug a hell of a lot earlier than what anybody wanted to expect. All right, here's a sports analogy for you. When it comes to burglars, your home is like the end zone. And you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. That's why I use and I trust Simply Safe Home Security. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. It's cutting edge technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. So you always know your home is going to be safe. With the 24 7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatched and dispatched police and first responders in an emergency. Even if you're not at home or you cannot be reached, Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. 
HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real. They even have hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and any other threats to your home. Our monitoring experts use propriety, propriety advanced technology, response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. So here's what you got to do. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL to learn more. You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for the interactive monitoring plan and get your first month F-E-R-E. E-O-R-F-E. It's for free. However you want to put it, it's free. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL. As always, thank you guys for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Now make sure you check out NFL Key Predictions every Friday on Locked On NFL. Locked On local experts give you the inside scoop of the five biggest games of the NFL weekend, including Sunday and Monday Night Football, plus betting advice from the field's leading expert, Bet Online. Follow Locked On NFL Key Predictions every Friday on Locked On NFL. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Friday installment of Locked On Texans, which means we have our brother, our friend, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, what's going on, my guy? Fellas, living good, man. I'm living good. How y'all feeling about a quarter way through the season, man? About a quarter way through the season, feeling good, feeling, feeling, uh, feeling energized disappointed depressed already ready for the season to be over with because it doesn't make any Uh, sense i'm fine man (laughs) hey nah you got to be y'all gotta be my boy drew oh my gosh so so i guess we're doing this taking for a quarterback in the second half of the season or whatever can i just say something really quick can i say something really quick i don't think there's a quarterback team should be tanking for i'm also i don't believe in tanking but i don't think Neither one of these top prospect quarterbacks you should actively tank for. Well, we might have to save that conversation for another day because um, CJ and Bryce, I mean, you know, if they put on the Houston Texans jersey come 2023, I would not be mad about that. You let me know the last Ohio State quarterback that worked out in the NFL. By the way, if you go back and watch all of those, all of those Ohio State quarterbacks, Look at the amount of speed and space that the offense was giving them during their good runs. Hey, what happened in the field? Like look, that. look, John. I can remember a few years ago, folks were saying the same thing about Alabama quarterbacks until you got Tua, until you got Jalen Hurst, until you got Mac Jones, and my whole thing. Like I hear what you're saying about. We agree first of all on the initial point about just not believing in tanking. I'm with you on that. I don't believe in tanking at all, but. When I look at Bryce Young, I'm thinking about a quarterback who was better than all three of the ones that were right before him. Like, I, I, like I'm looking at Mac Jones, I'm looking at Tua, and I'm looking at Jalen Hurts, all as credible and viable starters, uh, starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And I feel like Bryce Young can at least be that, at least be what those guys are, if not better. So mm. that, that, that that's that's I'm not saying you tank for him. But I definitely think that they're worth desiring if you ain't got a quarterback, which I don't think the Texans do have a quarterback in the future. Well, really quick, and then I'm going to give it to Cody. 
Miami is where? Florida. Florida. You know, you know, they don't, you know, Florida's a beautiful place. And they were able to make a trade. They were able to make some signs. It was able to make some good offseason decisions and moves. Philly, what they did, they was able to make a trade. They were able to make some signing. They made some offseason yeah. moves. Uh, and I'm not going to talk about Bill Belichick because it can get personal. What I'm saying <laughs> is I don't see players that would actively want to come to Houston right now. Oh, well. And Miami and Philly was able to have that in their back pocket. At the very least, Miami, this is Miami. Uh, the state taxes for Florida. This is Miami. Um, this is Miami. Philly is Philly, and they was able to make a trade and bring in A.J. Brown, who has been incredible for the Philadelphia Eagles so far this year, and helping out two of those young quarterbacks who struggled because of the lack of weapons around them, and they just needed more time in the field, which a lot of people don't give out to quarterbacks nowadays because of the instant success we've seen. Those franchises did a very great job of investing into those two young quarterbacks, I don't have faith Houston will do that. I don't have faith that Houston will be able to swing big-name free agents or make those trades for big players that want to get out of their situation because of something that I've been you know, personally attacking since 2012 when they did bring in Peyton Manning and they kept Matt Schaub. That's been an issue. We'll talk about that at the time. What I'm saying is I don't feel like Houston will be able to do that. We're going to bank on some rookies to get it done. Two, I ain't banking on no rookie to get it done. He had to bank on Tyreek Hill to help him out. And help out Jalen Waddle. Same for AJ Brown and Philly. That's my sentiments. And I don't think Bryce Young is going to fix what Houston has a problem with right now. So don't tank for him. Get better. Well, it, it does seem like um, Clemson does a good job developing quarterbacks. You know, maybe this this franchise might get an opportunity to draft a quarterback never from, again. from Clemson. From Clemson. Who, who knows? You know, I'm just saying, you know, I mean, you see what Trevor Lawrence doing. So, you know, maybe this franchise should wish for a quarterback from Clemson. But moving forward, um, Brandon, week five of the regular season, a lot of people are already frustrated, disappointed ab about how this season has went for the Houston Texans as of right now. Um, entering the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, they are underdogs, surprisingly, with a record of 0-3-1, but it seems like a lot of people started to get some hope and expectations due to the return of Christian Harris. Um, Brandon, what are your thoughts about the return of Christian Harris? And if there is a chance we could see Christian earlier than expected how do you feel he can actually help this organization well first off i think that the whole conversation around christian harris is a healthy one and a good one for a team that's in the spot that it's in right now like we're at that point think about what you were saying earlier when we first opened like you're just ready for it to be over with it's been disappointing like i imagine for texans fans it is already a tiring taxing season if they're in it for the wins and losses and and want to see like tangible improvement in the win column. Now we're kind of at that stage of the season now where the tanking versus non tanking crowd is going to collide. Cause now we're going to have conflicting ideas on what's best for the organization. So I think they will leave us. Yeah. Right. There. Well, yeah, you gotta, you gotta throw all of the names in there. You got Anthony Richardson, will, uh, you know, Bryce, you got to throw them all out. You got to throw them all out there in the mix. Uh, but I, I, so I think that, the Christian Harris return is like, I was saying this on the radio earlier today that as a conversation piece, it kind of saved us a little bit because at some point, all of that losing is going to get boring. It's going to get old talking about how 
they can't cover the middle of the field and how they can't stop the run. They don't have no form tackling. Davis Mills is inconsistent. Uh, who, who do you give the ball to outside of Damian Pierce? Where the rest of your weapons at? Like we're that conversation is going to be, it's going to, we're going to have less and less patience for that type of conversation week in and week out. If, if it continues this way and that, that becomes like a theme of the season, like the same old problem, same old Texans every week. But Christian Harris, new blood. We ain't seen him. Okay. Unlike Mario Addison, who also is uh, has a chance to come off the, the defensive end, Mario Addison, who also has a chance to come off the injured list and, and, and play. We at least saw him in the last preseason game. We at least have seen him play in the NFL before a lot because he's been in the league a long time. Christian Harris is brand new a brand new concept and and lo and behold what are the texans struggling with the most at least on the defensive side of the ball what's the weak link of the texans defense i don't think it's even arguable that it's the linebacking core i think it's been a little bit disappointing up front with the defensive line we've talked about that a little bit on this show especially when i've been on i know we've talked about that but they've gotten some sacks they've made some plays they didn't really do anything against justin herbert last week but we've seen Jerry Hughes make plays. I've seen Rasheem Green and Jonathan Grenard make a play here and there. I know Christian Kirksey got that uh got that interception against Denver. And so that counts. You can't just pretend like it didn't happen. But I mean, outside of that, man, this linebacking core has just been like not just bad, but almost missing. It's almost like they're not there. It, it, it feels like it feels like they're not on the field. You know what I mean? It feels like they got a, a front four and a back three. And you're like, or 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 a back or or a back. This four. man missing a whole position group. <laughs> if you're just like, where are they the playing linemen? seven on seven? It's almost like in some in some get in some cases, depending on how the play materializes, it's almost like you need the all twenty two just to get all twenty two dudes on the field, so you can see everybody. It's like where the oh, linebackers at? Where are the line? Do they play with line? I thought Lovey Smith defenses. The hallmark of a Lovey Smith defense supposed to be the linebacker position. Where they at? You don't see them. So Christian Harris, you ask about four. We're talking about a four-four guy. Okay, I don't feel. I feel like one of the big things that the linebacker core is missing right now is that speed and athleticism. Even though Kamagruja Hill is supposed to be kind of a speed guy, he's not good in coverage. Period. He's just flat out not good in coverage and at times gets swallowed up on the run. Like when he's going downhill or like has an angle, he's good. But he was good. <laughs> but like in coverage and just kind of being an all around linebacker, which is how I, I guess they view Christian Harris is more so the modern all around linebacker, you know, like like what you're seeing from Devin Lloyd over on that you're going to see across the field uh, from from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I imagine that's how they envision him, something like that. I think it could make a tremendous impact in terms of just the the competence on the defense. But more than anything, honestly, Cody, I just want to see what the kid looks like. You know, I, I'll take a a slight disagreement with respectfully with the linebacking coach Miles Smith, love your son, who uh, who I think he mentioned to the media about you know since their errors in the linebacking core have been primarily mental. He doesn't want to throw a rookie in there, a rookie who's never played in there, and have him, you know, risk him not being basically not being a solution because he's having the same mental errors. But to me, 
if the veteran dudes that you trust out there are having mental errors or, or, or can't seem to get it right mentally, what do you have to lose with throwing the rookie out there who at the very least has some physical traits and some physical attributes that could at times, not all the time, but at times maybe make up for some mental lapses or make up for when you get out schemed, you know, like the physical traits element of it, the potential of it and the lack of production that they've gotten at that position to me makes it worthwhile to just throw them out there and let him get his experience. Let him figure it out by being on the field, especially given where you are in the season already. You're the only winless team. Not a lot of games, if, if any, of these games on this schedule that are really, truly winnable for you. I, I don't think. I thought the most winnable game was against Chicago. They lost it. You know, so it's like, okay, what what is this season about now? What is the point? What is the goal here? And I know no team wants to admit, the players and the coaches don't want to admit that the season is about player development and talent evaluation and figuring out what you got. They want to go out there and win, compete, win in a week in and win out a week out. And I'm with that. However, you've gotten enough of a sample size to see what your linebacking core looks like. You have no tape on Christian Harris. Didn't get to play in the preseason. It is time. It is time for him to see the field come hell or high water. So that's, that's where I'm at. And I do, I think it's going to make this huge difference to where, now you insert Christian Harris and all of a sudden the defense is really good. Or all of a sudden you insert Christian Harris and, and the Texans are more competitive. Not necessarily, no. But to me, learning about Christian Harris is part of what this entire season is about. The same thing that you're doing with Damian Pierce. And the same thing you're doing with Derek Stingley and Jalen Petrie in the secondary. You know, you need to, a uh, Kenyon Green on the offensive line. You need to know all you can about Christian Harris by the end of the year. 100% agree. Um, I do think that they will take it slow with him, kind of what they did with Gary Wallow, you know, 20 snaps here, 25 snaps there to get him acclimated to the game. I want to switch over to the offensive side of the ball, and I want to leave NRG Stadium, and I want to go to the Texan Twitter streets. And on Twitter, ah, it was uh, – some, some of my favorite streets, man. Some of my favorite streets <laughs> to be after, man. On Twitter, it was a, a huge, you know, debate, talk, talking conversation. Shout out to Sarge, by the way, man. He knows what he does. He's so good at it. In spaces, whether or not Brandon Cook should be traded. I'm not going to ask mm -hmm. you that, but I do want to ask you, what do you think or how would you classify the legacy of Brandon Cooks with their Texan jersey on? Man, it is interesting because, and I have to go look and see where he's at, like in terms of the, the numbers. This is only what the third season that he's with the team. He's been the best wide receiver on the team. And if you, I mean, you're going to count this year, obviously, too. Three years in a row, the best wide receiver on the team. I think that that says something. Um, I think that that matters in terms of like the overall conversation of like where does he fall in line of, all-time Texans and things like that. But I don't feel like you can ignore that he's only been a part of failure here. You know, everywhere he's gone, they have won. You know, yes, which is one of, the, one of the more interesting parts about observing him here and him not, like, raising a big fuss about wanting to leave or, like, being obvious. Like, you know, some of these other guys where it's been obvious they wanted to get out. He, embr he embraced it, really, honestly. You know, Mitchell and Remy said he didn't want to get traded again. He wanted to be here. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that was more so about not j just not wanting to be traded on a whim. You know, he, 
he's at a point now, guys, where so he's a first round pick, if I'm not mistaken. First round pick, uh, got a contract, now has gotten another contract. So that is first round picks get good contracts. So that is three solid contracts that Brandon Cooks has gotten. I say all that to say Brandon Cooks is rich, like legitimately rich now. So he don't have to do anything he doesn't want to do. You you don't get to tell Brandon Cooks what to do. You don't get to say Brandon Cooks, you're going to Carolina now. You're going to you're going to be you're going to play with Baker Mayfield and be on the Panthers now. You don't get to do that because he can say hell no, nah, no, I'm not doing that. I'm rich. I won't. I'm not doing anything that I don't want to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's he's at that point in his career, uh, both as a player and like his you know financial portfolio. I'd imagine. So uh, it, it's an interesting question, but uh, unfortunately, I think that. Everybody who was a key player on the 2020, 2021, and 2022 teams, not named Deshaun Watson, obviously being the quarterback of the 2020 team, is going to have a forgotten sort of legacy, whether they were good on this team or not, honestly, because the team was so bad and, and was in such a uh, in such shambles. Like his first season, Brandon Cooks is balling, but you got the Bill O'Brien stuff going on. Okay, it's the COVID year. It's a year that a lot of people would just like to forget in general that it ever happened. And then the next year, I mean, it's the David Culley year, you know. And, and then and now we have now where it seems like his play has at least regressed a little bit, um, or, or at least their ability to get him the ball, whether it be a mix between Davis Mills not being consistent and the play calling not necessarily always setting him up, uh, which I think is less of an issue than the Davis Mills thing, but. Yeah, man, he he will be easy. Like the best receivers in Texans history are going to go Andre Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins. And then when you start talking about that third guy, he's going to have to be in the conversation. They just Mm. simply will because of how good he's been and how good he is. It's just a shame that I I don't think that he's going to be around long enough to see the turnaround. You know, by the time this team gets good again, who, who knows if Brandon Cooks will still even be playing football much less with the Texans. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I think it's a, I think it's a somewhat complicated question because he, he'll, he will have never played on a good team, but will have always the entire time been a really good player. Definitely got to get your prediction for Sunday coming up. However, before we do that, betonline.net is still your number one source for football betting information this season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source of your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-date scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including MLB, ooh, finna get some playoff baseball, MMA, boxing, we probably ain't gonna never get Shakur, and all of these new fights they're talking about. And some golf. So head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thanks for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Be sure to check us out on Monday as we recap the game. Hopefully, we get a victory. If not, we'll talk about the L. Now make your second listen, the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout, Matt Williamson, give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free, and it's available wherever you get your podcast. Before we get out of here, we got a game on Sunday that may or may not result 
It'll win. <laughs> Could be another L for the Houston Texans. Week five, it'll be their fourth L because they got their tie right after that. Brandon K. Scott, the Jacksonville Jaguars have struggled in two games this year that they lost. Both of those games, the opposing team was able to get after Trevor Lawrence and make his day a little bit difficult. They also, against Philly, against the Commanders, I always want to call them whatever, but <laughs> the back end of that defense can be exploited. And we look at Sunday's game, we saw Nico Collins with the uh, uh, first big catch of the year. Mm-hmm. Then Davis Mills goes out there and it connects with another big play to Brandon Cooks to score the touchdown. This game isn't out of reach for Houston. I think it's a winnable game, but your prediction, I'm not going to necessarily ask for a final score, but if you want to give it, of course, it's welcome. Do you see Houston winning this game? And is this the last hope that they have with you? Like After this, if you don't win it, you're going defeated for the rest of the year. Yeah, so I, I think that is the thing that we could say about every game that they play from here on out. Like, if y'all don't win this game, y'all ain't winning no game. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and, and I'm not – I'm just going to be straight up with you, John. I'm not picking them to – I'm not saying that they're not going to win a game this year. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is right now as I sit here in week five with you guys on the Locked On Texans podcast, I don't have them currently in the moment winning a game. Okay, or I'm not picking them against the opponent. Okay, now the week might come and and whatever happened with the opponents previous week might factor in and, and, you know, doing some research on what's been going on with them. Like I, I I reserve the right to end during the week. say you know what? I got a good feeling about this week for the Texans. But from where we sit right now, I don't see it in none of the games. I do agree with your point, though, John, about the Jags and the idea that you can exploit them on the back end a little bit. It's also true that they can make plays, though, uh, not just on the back. Obviously, the strength of their that defense is the front seven, and particularly their rookies, uh, Walker and Lloyd, who I mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, Walker, obviously, the number one overall pick. They got back-to-back number one overall picks out there looking like number one overall picks. Must be nice. Uh, but it's... If, if the Texans are going to win this game, I feel like even though the weather was a big factor for the Eagles and in that Eagles-Jaguars game last week, it was a it was a, a, a rainy game, a wet game. Trevor Lawrence lost four fumbles, gave the ball up five times. I don't think that that's something that they can replicate necessarily. Like they're not going to be able to just insert those conditions into this game and, and, and say that, hey, this is exactly how we're going to beat them. But I do think it's closer to the formula of how the Texans will need to win games. Really all of their, any game that they win, I feel like this is going to be the formula. And, and, and same as the case here for against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You need to win the turnover. And I don't want to be a cliche guy here, but not only like not lose the turnover battle. I think a lot of times you hear coaches and players talking about not losing the turnover battle or not turning the ball over. No, no, no. It ain't going to be simple enough to just push and be even in the turnover battle. You need to win the turnover takeaway battle, as in they have turned the ball over more times than you have. That's number one. And running the ball. Those are two things that the Eagles, now mind you, it's the Eagles. The Eagles are arguably the best team in the league right now four games into the season. And I'm not saying that the Texans should be the Eagles or can be the Eagles. But that formula of turn Trevor Lawrence over, they did it last year. 
just saw Trevor Lawrence turn the ball over last week. So that's doable. That to me is the most attainable thing. As good as Trevor Lawrence has been this year, I think the most realistic and attainable thing that they can do is turn him over and stick to their, again, his the buzzword that I use every time I'm on here, that stated identity of being a ground and pound football team, one that likes to run the ball. I think that's what you need to do. I think that that's the formula. Um, and, and you got to stick with that. Now, can their back their back end be had or their plays to be made? Absolutely. And they're going to have to try to make those. Like, to me, I feel like you just need fewer misses in those few critical moments when Davis Mills is really letting it rip. Because for the most part, like, go back and look at the last game, right? Just as an example against the Chargers. You were talking about Davis Mills because that's the sexy topic, the quarterback, right? But that was mostly a Damian Pierce game. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I actually like the strategy of let's feed Damian Pierce and ask Davis Mills to make a play here or two. And I felt like that's what they did. And unfortunately, he didn't really start making them until the game was a little bit out of reach, you know, or was they, you know, they were all, they're not good enough to really come from behind. Um, but I actually, Controversial take. I didn't think he was terrible on Sunday. I didn't think he was like great. I didn't think he was part of the solution, but he wasn't like high on my list of problems. Davis Mills, the interception, really bad. The miss to, to I was gonna say Brandon because the miss the miss to Nico Collins on third and five. I think it was a slant, maybe. Really bad. Man was wide open and jump. You got a man that big and he's jumping. And and so it clearly had to have been like a miscommunication, wrong route, whatever. It looked bad. It was all. It was awful. And then there was a sack that I thought he took, not the one on fourth down where they didn't block Khalil Mack. That was just ridiculous, either coaching or or brain fart by whoever was supposed to block Khalil Mack. Okay, I don't know if they've heard of him. He's he plays football pretty well, uh, but not Damn, so not dude. that one. It was it was it was another play where the the pocket is clean for a little bit, and I just want him to step up, make a throw, or step up and make a play. You know, I'm not saying he would have been able to get the first down. It was third. Down. Was, I feel like it was third and long. Was that the uh, – that wasn't the O.J. Howard one, was it? Was it the O.J. Howard one? There was no, one I mean, play where – well, he ended up getting, I think, uh, sacked on that play, but there was one play where – I don't think it was O.J. second, O.J. was open. Yeah, yeah. I had to go back and look and see who all was open um, because it, it did feel like the issue was and, – and I didn't watch – on that play, I don't think I watched the All-22. I just watched the TV copy, so I didn't see everybody. But the assumption is he's standing there because he doesn't – whether he's open or not, he doesn't see it, you know. But what I'm asking him to do, even if he doesn't see his open guy, is to just step up and be an athlete. One of my most disappointing things with Davis Mills, guys – I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here. One of my most disappointing things with watching Davis Mills has been, you know what, guys, last year – I tried to defend him a little bit as an athlete. Like I thought, <laughs> I, I thought, okay, and I'm, I'm gonna admit I'm wrong here now. I ain't gonna do. I'm not doing it no more. Okay, but I remember last year thinking he should be an athlete somewhere between, like, better than Matt Ryan and maybe not quite as good as Daniel Jones. You know, like I'm not expecting him to be able to run all over the place, but I do expect him to move better than Matt. Ryan. I said that in week one. I need to see Davis Mills moving better than 37 year old Matt Ryan. He did not and, and does not. And that to me has been disappointing because I did. Th- I didn't think he was going to be out here, you know, running a bunch of RPOs and, and, and gashing guys. But I was expecting his pocket presence and mobility to be a lot better than what we've seen so far. So 
but but again, back to the point. The formula to me is go get that ball on defense. Go get that ball and feed Damian Pierce. That's how you win the game. And I love the fact that you just finished talking about Davis Mills as a quote-unquote athlete because that is something that John has been alluding to for, what, this entire season. Like, use your legs. And I remember Titus Howard last year even talked about, like, Davis Mills is faster than what people believe. He's sneaky athletic, but yet... When he gets there in the game, I don't know if he's thinking too much. I don't know if the Texans just got like a short leash on him or he's just scared or whatever, but he's a statue. I'm like, Davis, just move. There was a moment in Sunday's game. I can't remember what part of the game, but there was a moment where he had the, 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 the gap was open for him to pick up at least seven to eight yards. And he decided to just stand there and... It, <laughs> Davis and, at this point, oh my gosh. And, and what's wild too, Cody, is that it's like we know he can move, or at least it, it feels like he should be able to move better because they roll mm-hmm. him out. Exactly. <laughs> they roll. I mean, he's they give him opportunities. Out. You know what I mean? They roll him out. So, but you don't even put the rollout in your playbook if you don't think your quarterback can move at all. You know, if you think that you got a, a just a straight up non athlete, uh, just all across the board at, at quarterback. So that part of it is frustrating. It's like, OK, we need you when the play break down, when we need some improvision, we need you to improvise every now and then. And it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like I mean, he don't have no improvision to him. None. Mm-hmm. None. The play design you talk about. You always talk about Pep Hamilton. And maybe that's an interesting point, too, about quarterbacks in general is like. And when you talk about offensive coordinators, how quarterbacks who extend plays outside the pocket or make plays when the play breaks down, the play design breaks down, how they make their offensive coordinators look good or just don't make them look bad because it don't matter what the play design was. You got an eraser. You got a guy that just went out there and made a play. And so since Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or whoever it is made a play, you didn't forgot what the hell the play design was. You don't even remember what the play was because you had a dude that, that could make a play. Here, play don't work. No, got we're, looking it. we're looking at the quarterback and the play caller like, man, what y'all doing? You know what I mean? He ain't got it. He's not like that. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on social media? And please be sure to tell them about the B Block and your weekly spot on Sports Radio 610 as well. Yeah, y'all follow me on Twitter at Brandon K. Scott. You can pretty much get all the updates there wherever I'm going to be at. But at Brandon K. Scott is the Twitter account, the B-Block podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast weekly. And on Sports Radio 16 on Thursdays at 11 a.m. on In The Loop, you can count on it. I can guarantee it every week, 11 a.m. And I'm also going to do some, you know, today's Friday week from today, I will be doing the morning show with Sean Bajani on Sports Radio 610, a mm. football Friday morning show. So that'll be from 6 to 10 a.m. Make sure y'all check that out a week from Friday. Somewhere around the time when you'll be checking out the Locked On Texans podcast, too. Yeah. So you, can you can double fist that thing. You know what I mean? Whether it's before or after, you can double fist that thing. Watch you, you know, check us out 6 to 10 and then have that Locked On Texans podcast ready on deck. Waiting for Hot the towels. 
And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. We don't John. know how to act. Audience, audience, listeners, viewers, we don't know how to act. You know, but Certainly. I'm done. So sports got hit me. Make sure you check us out on YouTube, of course. Follows, like, subscribe under the name Locked on Texans. Give me a follow on Twitter as well at John underscore Hickman 12. We will be back, as promised, on Monday with a recap. And again, hopefully, we are talking about a dub. But if not, if all this fails and we're talking about L's, we'll be right here on Monday with bells on our feet. Enjoy y'all weekend, man. Peace.